Well, our scripture reading number one this morning uh, comes from Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 to 18, where Peter makes his confession that Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one whom God the Father has promised to send to save his people. So please listen to God's word. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Well, my name is Andrew Russell, and I'm one of the pastors at Grace Downtown, so I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ in Washington, D.C., right across the river. Um, Happy New Year. Um, I pray that today, this morning, you would be encouraged. Um, I pray that as we look at this new year, that we will hear that God is committed to building his church, and if you are in Christ, if you believe like Peter did, that was revealed to him that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. If you believe that, then the Bible says that the church will prevail and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You might be discouraged, you might be disappointed, but the gates of hell will not prevail because Jesus Christ is committed to building his church. Amen. Let's pray before we get into our scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you, uh, in your son Jesus Christ, that Jesus has the name that is above every name. And so we bow down and we give you all the glory and praise. And we ask, O God, that you would send your Holy Spirit, the spirit that illumines our hearts and minds, the spirit that calls us to yourself the spirit of power, the spirit of understanding, your Holy Spirit, we ask, O oh God, that you would speak to us through your word. Father, may I decrease and you increase in this place. May people see Jesus and may people see the power of your Holy Spirit today. In your holy name I pray, amen, amen. So I'm going to read the, the passage of scripture which I'll be looking at today from Zechariah chapter 4. Now, do y'all usually stand or? No, that's fine. We'll keep, you want to? All right, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word uh, from Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it. 
and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of, his, of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you, shall, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. And then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And the second time I answered and, and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? And he said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now you might ask the question, what in the world are we going to get out of Zechariah 4 today? Now, I just want to warn you, just give you the, the, the parameters of this sermon here. I'm going to focus on Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6. But I want to give you context. And so why do I bring up Zechariah 4, this, this vision in 2022, as we're thinking about the new year, the reason I brought this up is this, to show you from Matthew that Jesus Christ will build his church, and he will build his church by sending his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the power that builds the church. It, nothing that we can do, not our strategies, not our good ideas, all, all, all of those things are good and helpful but if we don't have the breath of God, the Ruach, the Holy Spirit of God in us, we cannot survive. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the life of God and he will build his church. And I'm going to show you from Zechariah 4 that this is the case. So bear with me as we begin. So Zechariah is one of the longest of the minor, the longest book of the minor prophets. Of all the minor prophets, Zechariah is the longest book, and Jerome, who is an early church father, called it the most obscure book of the Hebrew Bible. So what am I doing with this most obscure book of the Hebrew Bible in 2022? <laughs> Lord, help him. You know, y'all pray. Just pray, Lord, help him. Zechariah 4 chronicles the time when the people of Israel returned from the Babylonian exile. 
Zechariah is a book of visions concerning the rebuilding of God's temple and God's providence. And so I want to show you that God was committed in the time of the prophet Zechariah to build his temple. And that same God that our elder preached, uh, pray today, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if God would, it built his church back then, God is committed to building his church now. So this is my argument. This is my thesis. This is the main point, that God will build his church not by might, nor by human power, but by his Holy Spirit. And why? So that he or she who glories will glory only in the Lord. That's the message of today's sermon. God is the great architect, and he created all things visible and invisible by the power of his word and through the might of the Holy Spirit. One of the most prestigious architectural awards is the Pritzker Architectural Prize. Has anybody heard of the Pritzker? Okay. Are you an architect? Well, Lord, help me, because I'm, I'm going into a field that I know nothing about. So you can correct me after the sermon. But for my uh, research and reading on the Pritzker Award, it is an international award that was established by the Pritzker family in 1979. It is often referred to as the Nobel Prize of architecture and the profession's highest honor. The purpose of the award is to honor a living architect or architects whose work demonstrates talent, vision, and commitment. And, 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 and this award, uh, what they want to see is, are you making an impact on humanity and the environment? And they're judged on three things, durability, convenience, and beauty. So you might ask, why do I bring up the subject of architecture? Well, because in Zechariah 4, Zerubbabel is tasked to help to rebuild the temple after the children of Israel had returned from Babylon. Zerubbabel is the governor at this time, and he is also a descendant of King David and represents the line through which Jesus Christ will come. Zechariah received a vision from God to prophesy to Zerubbabel that the building of God's temple will not be done by military might nor by human power, but only by God's Holy Spirit. The vision of Zechariah 4 serves to prove that it is God who will sustain and accomplish the building of his temple no matter the opposition. And yes, there was much opposition in rebuilding of the second temple. The prophets Haggai and Ezra chronicle how Gentile nations frustrated the efforts to rebuild the temple through bribes and through intimidation. In fact, there was opposition from the people of God themselves because they lamented the fact that the second temple was much smaller than the first temple built by Solomon. Ezra chapter 3 verse 12 says, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. 
And so the angel of the Lord describes this opposition as a mountain in verse 7. And in fact, in verse 10, the angel of the Lord told Zechariah, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. A plumb line is a device used to measure angles, height, and width. And the second temple started out as this small, seemingly insignificant church, and it drew much opposition. And the church of Jesus Christ is the same way. God's church seems small and insignificant, and the temptation is to use human power human might and human strategies to make the church into our vision of the perfect church. Remember the, the first uh, temple uh, believers in, 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 uh, in ancient Near East, they, they saw this beautiful temple that Solomon built and, and the glory of the Lord came into this temple. And then after the exile, the temple was destroyed and And those who remembered that great temple of Solomon, they saw the foundations being laid and they cried with a loud voice because it was so small. It didn't look like the first temple. And they were like, God, what are you doing? Why are you giving us this small, insignificant place? And why do we have to face so much opposition? And the temptation is to say, you know what? I look at this church and I remember I was at a bigger, better church. I remember the church had better preaching and better music and better ministries. And and sometimes we look at today's church and we're like, Lord, what are you doing? So what is your vision of the perfect church? Do you wish your your church had more vibrant youth and young families? Do do you wish your, your church had better ministries for singles and women and men? Do you wish that the people were more committed to the church and church membership? Is the perfect church a, a perfect harmonious ratio of people of different ethnic groups? Is the perfect church a place where you can grow in your spiritual gifts? What do you say is the perfect vision of the church? But whatever your idea is of the perfect church, God does the building of his church, and it will not be done by might nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. A few years ago, I came across a story about this small town in Portsmouth, Ohio, and I, I, I saw this, uh, uh, it was a, a, basically a documentary and, and about this small town that was ravaged and devastated by the opioid crisis. And a gentleman named Tim Wolf, he was an, an army veteran who helped to build Iraq. And he thought, why don't I do the same thing in my, own, my hometown of Portsmouth, Ohio? And people said he was nuts because this, this town is finished. I mean, it's, the, the opiate crisis is, is devastated this place. It's a dying town. Why would you come back to this place? And this is what Tim Wolf said. He said, Everybody questions the investment all the time. But if this house, but if this is our home, we have no other choice. We either fix it up or you let it fall all around it. He said, if this is my home, I have no other choice. I either fix it up or let everything fall around it. 
The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. This is his home and he will fix it up or else everything else will fall around it. My brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God will not let his temple be devastated. He will fix it up and he will invest in ruined people for his glory. It will be done, it will not be done by more government programs, although some are helpful. It will not be done by more jobs, although that is helpful. It will not be done by handouts here and there. It will not be done by anything else other than the divinely appointed, certified, spiritual temple builder and architect who is the Holy Spirit, not by good preaching, not by good music or, or good outreach programs or well-oiled children's ministries and young adult ministries, although all of those things are helpful, but the building of God's church, the building of God's temple can only be done by God himself his Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1 when the earth was formless and void and in the very beginning gave shape and form and beauty. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to hover over the darkness, to hover over this temple that seems seemingly small and insignificant that faces much opposition and brings form and shape and beauty so that those who are, are graded like the Pritzker Award can see that this great architect builds temples that are durable, that are beautiful, that help the environment, that shed the glory of the Lord through the ends of the earth. We live in a world that says that we can achieve anything by human innovation by human ingenuity and expert analysis. And, and yes, we, we need expert analysis. We need innovation. Uh, but a lot of times, we, I, I think we default to, you know what, they're, they're, uh, if things are going to really get done in this world, it's going to happen either through an individual who's powerful, like a president, a, a CEO, a senator, a governor, or a group of people like expert scientists or research universities or neighborhood coalitions or governments or corporations. We have been conditioned in this world to think that if you're going to get things done, you need a powerful person or powerful people. And so we are used to depending on our own might and our own strength because here are several reasons why it's easier, right? It's easier to depend on you than to wait for someone else to do it. Uh, it's cheaper, right? If you do it in your own power and strength, we have, sense, we have a sense of control. Raise your hand if you like control in this room. Anybody like, I like control. Look, I got six kids. I love a lot of control. I mean, because it's all out of control. Every time I wake up, I'm like, Lord, give me control. The one of the other reasons we depend on our might it's because we can measure success. We can see immediate results. And so it's, it, 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 we are, when, we, when we talk about not by might, nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit, 
the spirit of God is helping us to see that, look, I am, I am trying to show you that you've been depending on yourself and I'm going to do the work. And so God's spirit convicts us and reminds us every single day, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. But why is it so hard to depend on the Holy Spirit? Well, we have to wait. It's costly because you have to humble yourself and give up trying in your own strength. You don't have control. You can't really measure what success looks like. And we don't see immediate results. So how in the world do we depend on the Holy Spirit when it seems that we can accomplish our own goals by our own might and our own power? Three applications and that's it. And I'm going to show three applications from this passage. Zechariah had a vision where the angel of the Lord spoke to him concerning the gold lampstand and the two olive trees. Throughout the vision, Zechariah asked for clarity. In verse 4, he says, what are these? In verse 11, he asks, what are the two olive trees? And in verse 12, he asks, what are these two olive branches? I believe the two olive trees are Joshua the high priest, spoken of in Zechariah chapter 3, and Zerubbabel. Many times in, in our walk of faith, we are often distracted and, and are not even in a position to listen or to hear from God. And for some of us, our environment is so noisy and stressful that we don't even have time and space to listen to God. And in order for God to speak to us, we have to be in a place to listen. And we have to listen to his word. And guess what? When we make time and room to listen to God, God grants us the grace to ask God questions. The psalmist said, one thing have I desired that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The psalmist wanted to ask questions of God in God's temple. Zechariah had a vision from God, and he's asking God's questions. God, please explain to me what are you showing me in this vision? What are the olive trees? What are the branches? Many people see Christianity as a religion where you can't ask questions. You can't ask questions of God. You have to, people, people believe you have to blindly follow doctrines and be brainwashed. I've heard people in the DMV say this. I've had a skeptics group, and some of my skeptics have said, you know what, Andrew, I can't believe what you believe because Christianity doesn't allow its people to ask questions. It doesn't allow its people to have doubts. You are all brainwashed. My brothers and sisters, the Christian faith is the most free-thinking faith because God invites his people into his presence to inquire of him, to ask him questions, to pray and inquire of the Lord. Lord, I don't understand what's going to happen in 2022. What is this? Lord, guide me. Lord, this is coming my way. I don't know what this is. Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this church? 
Are we prepared to ask God questions or do we just plow through in our own might and power? Do we say, you know what, before 22 start, before the year 2022, before I get really into it, I'm going to ask God, Lord, what is it that you want for my family? Lord, what is it that you want for this church? Lord, what is it that you want for me? How, how can I uh, uh, live in God's kingdom and be used by the Holy Spirit and be a vessel and a light of Jesus Christ in my home, in my church, in my community, in my job? Before I said, you know what, here are the strategies. Here's what I'm going to do. And then you say, God, sign off on it. But no, we need, to, we need to realize that it's not by might nor by power, but God's Holy Spirit, because God's Spirit is a person. God's Spirit isn't some invisible force in the realm of Star Wars, and I, I love Star Wars, but God is a person. And God's Holy Spirit wants to indwell in his people and have a relationship. And so if you don't understand what God is asking of you, Follow the example of Zechariah and ask questions. Secondly, trust the process. God spoke to Zechariah in a vision to give a word to Zerubbabel. I'll say that again. God spoke to Zechariah in a vision to give a word to Zerubbabel. Now, you might hear that sentence and think, okay, what, why is that so significant? God did not give a vision to Zerubbabel, even though the message was concerning him. What does this mean for us? We must trust God's work in other people because God wants to build you up through others. The angel of the Lord did not come to Zerubbabel, but the angel of the Lord came to Zechariah. The rebuilding of the church does not depend on you and your solo efforts. God uses other people other than you to build the church, to encourage you to build into your life. And if we are God's temple, we're in this together. Amen. If we are the body of Christ we are in this together. So are you willing to trust God speaking to your brother and sister to build you up? If we are God's temple, then if one part of God's temple needs repairing, then we must all seek for that part of the temple to be repaired. If one part of the body is in trouble or needs help or uh, uh, whatever the case may be, facing trials and tribulation, then my brothers and sisters, we are all facing trials and tribulation because we are the body of Christ. And God will build his church by using you and me, by using the people next to you. So trust the process. Trust God working in other people to speak to you. You can't do this all alone. The problem we face as a church is that we believe that when we're healthy and things are going good for us, then things are going good for everybody else. We think, look at me, I, I, I'm a prophet. You know, Zechariah can be like, look, I got a vision from the Lord. When was the last time you had a vision from the Lord? You know, when was the last time the angel of the Lord spoke to you? And here's the thing, especially in the church, you can imagine the people of Israel like, man, why is God only speaking to Zechariah? Have you ever thought that? You're like, God... Why is God only speaking to Tim Keller? Why don't he don't speak to me like that? 
Why doesn't he give me those insights? I, sometimes I say that. I'm like, Lord, does he have like a special connection? Is his line just shorter? You know, my line is longer. And a lot of times we look at other believers and we're like, man, God is really moving in their life. How come he don't move like that for me? But here's the thing. We think, especially if we're the one who, who, who has it all good, we think, look at me. I'm a prophet. God is speaking to me in dreams. Isn't this amazing? But little do we know that God is speaking to us to give an encouraging prophetic word to someone else. God delivers you to deliver others. He is calling us to be priests like Jesus. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15 says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed from the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ in the very beginning, before the foundations of the world, had a perfect relationship with the Father and the Spirit. And Jesus didn't say, oh, this is so good. I'm just going to keep it here for us. Jesus said, oh, this is so good. I want to create. I want to share. I want to indwell. I want to let people know how good this thing is. And God creates the world. And God shows us the, the, the purpose of him coming, which is to the Jesus Christ being indwelt in his church to bring a people who are not a people into the presence of God. That's what God does. God shares. God delivers. God acts as an intercessor. Are we, in, are we acting as priests in our community? Or do we see ourselves as, you know what, I got it all. I got it together. I'm good. You know what, God, you answered my prayer. And then we go about our day not realizing that there are many people around you who are still waiting for answered prayer. That There are many people around you who still are struggling. And are we ready to be a priest to our brothers and sisters? Jesus is committed his life to serving God the Father so that we can be delivered and reap the benefits of his obedience. My final application, consider the small. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, do not despise the day of small things. God's temple is built by small, seemingly insignificant actions over a long period of time. God does not dwell in the flashy, the fancy, the quick, and the instant. Now, don't get me wrong. God can, God can do it all in an instant if he wants to because God is sovereign. But oftentimes, God operates in the waiting through patience, faithfulness, long-suffering, perseverance, and tiny mundane tasks of life. He does great things with a little. He comes to earth as a baby. He feeds multitudes with five loaves and two fishes. He establishes his kingdom through 12 underqualified men. He rides on a donkey. He is born in a smelly manger. Do not despise the day of small things. That's why Jesus came to save us. 
Friends, the temple of God seems to be in ruins and there is much opposition. It seems like the church is on the decline and our city is falling apart. But hear the word of the Lord. From Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted these same words in Luke chapter 4 in the same temple that Zerubbabel helped to build. Hear the words of Christ to God's ruined and broken church. From Isaiah 61, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those who are in captive and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 and it goes on to say in Isaiah 61 that they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And my brothers and sisters, who is going to do this work? Who is going to do the work of the building of the church when our city is falling apart, when our nation is falling apart, when our families are struggling? Who is going to build Christ Church of Arlington? The poor the brokenhearted, those who have been held and captive by addictions, prisoners, the depressed, the faint in spirit. And how will he get this work done? By using poor, brokenhearted, devastated, ruined people. The same spirit that was on Jesus Christ is the same spirit that is in the church. The, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to bring good news. And the good news is that you will build the church by the power of God's spirit because you are the church if you have Christ in you. Amen. I could go on, but let me pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for Jesus Christ, who preaches a better word, a better word than the word that even Zechariah had, a better vision than even Zerubbabel would receive. Lord God, Zechariah did not know that the second, the second temple that they were building would, would pale in comparison to what God was going to do through Jesus Christ, bringing the Holy Spirit to indwell people, not made by stones, not made by human effort, but made by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that in the year 2022, we will ask you questions, that we will come into your presence and inquire and say, Lord God, Will you build me up? Will you build this church up? Will you build this church by the power of your Holy Spirit? And will you help us not to operate in our own might, our own power, and our own strategies? Because at the end and the beginning of the day, you are God and there is none like you. And you will receive all the glory.
in Jesus' name, amen.